This morning we read from 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11 and 19 through 21. The boy Samuel ministered before the, Lord, before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me? Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet to the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. Thank you, David. Good morning. There's a uh, story, an old story, about Franklin Roosevelt. And he would endure long receiving lines at the White House, and he would often complain that nobody would ever actually listen to him as they walked through. And so one day he decided to put his theory to the test. And so as hundreds were coming through the receiving line, he went to shake their hand and he kind of mumbled, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And the response was, good to see you, sir. Marvelous. I murdered my grandmother this morning. Keep up the good work, Mr. President. And he kept saying it over and over again. God bless you, sir, they would respond. And nobody was listening to him. Finally, there was an ambassador from Bolivia who came through and really the only one who listened, and as he said, I murdered my grandmother this morning, he said, well, I'm sure she deserved it. <laughs> but he was listening. Nobody was listening in the time of Judges as we enter into chapter 3. Nobody was listening to the voice of God. And finally, there was one, like the ambassador from Bolivia, 
who heard actually what was being said and responded to it. His name was Samuel, that young boy who was to be dedicated unto the Lord by Hannah and who himself in his heart became dedicated unto the Lord to serve. God was speaking. And here's the truth about today, 2011, October 2nd. God is still speaking right now, speaking to our hearts. God is ministering to us. He is ministering to the world. His voice is speaking forth. It is going forth unto the nations. And I think the question for all of us is, are we really listening? Are we being attentive to the voice of God? And what does that look like for us as we, as we desire to be disciples of Jesus Christ? Are we listening when God is speaking forth? Samuel was listening, and God is going to call him to be his prophet, the one who would be the voice of God to the nation of Israel and to the enemies of Israel. He would speak forth what Yahweh, I am, has to say. Young Samuel, obedient and ministering, as the Word told us. He would be the spokesman. You know, one of the things I want to remind you of as we, as we study these passages, these narratives, is that the people in the Scriptures, the saints that go before us, went before us, that they're just like you and me. They're not superheroes. They don't have all this extra stuff. They're broken. They're weak. They fail miserably, often. And we just can't forget that. God is about to call this young boy, Samuel, really young, 12, 13 maybe. He's about to call this young boy to step into a life of obedience as his prophet. I know that the Lord for you and me is still calling us. He's calling us to be like the prophet Samuel, one who would speak forth his truth. Those who would stand for the Lord and hear his voice and then bring it to each other and, and to the broken world who needs to hear the voice of God. In the book of Numbers, actually Joshua and Moses were getting in an argument. There were people who were prophesying. And here's what Moses says to Joshua. Moses said to Joshua, Are you jealous for my sake, Joshua? I wish that it would be that all of the Lord's people were prophets that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them. And He has sent His Holy Spirit upon us. In Corinthians 14, Paul says in the middle of kind of chaos, lots of people are speaking in tongues and they're, they're holding on to that. He says, no, 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 that's not, that's not what it's all about. I want you to earnestly desire that you would prophesy, that you would speak forth that you would foretell the words of God. That's what I want you to desire. So that people can hear the voice of the Lord through us, through you. As we enter into chapter 3, it's, it's like walking into a cave. Verse 2 says this, 
Eli's eyes had grown dim. He could not see anymore. You know, it's such a sad story for Eli. His eyes weren't always dim. But he had grown distant from the Lord. And as we step into chapter 3, the setting is dark. His eyes were dim, and the candle of the Lord, placed in the, in the tabernacle, before the tent where the, the Ark of the Covenant is, the Holy of Holies, the, the light was about to go out. It had not yet gone out. But the imagery is, it was about to. Everything spiritually, everything that was meant to be light unto the world was going quickly dark. There was a distance from the light of the world. And look what the scriptures say. The young man Samuel, he's faithful, he's ministering unto the Lord, he's He's taking care of the tabernacle or the temple area. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. The word of the Lord was rare, and the visions were not coming often. It's actually that in in the original language, it's that God's voice, God's vision, God's truth was not breaking through. It actually is a military term of trying to, to breach a wall, trying to bust through a wall. It wasn't happening in those days. God's voice was not being heard. And it really gives us an image of Eli, the priest, his sons, who are ministering, basically sinning, and how far away and how much sin had come in. And it's the idea of brick by brick, we will put our brick of sin and we will stack it. And we will keep on sinning and doing what we want and we are going to build this wall and there will be no breach and no one will tell us how to live life. And God, we will not listen. It was a dark place in that time. But there was one. The candle hadn't gone out yet. There was one who was to be the remnant where the light of the world was to go forth. You know what? Maybe that is you. Maybe that is you in your family. Maybe that is you at your workplace. You are the remnant. Everything around you is going dim and dark, and the bricks are still being stacked up. And maybe God's voice is coming to you. Speak forth my truth. Speak forth my life. What is God speaking to you today? Because he's still speaking. They were not listening. Eli's sons believed that they could keep on sinning, that they could continue in their wayward ways, and that there wouldn't be any consequence for their sin. 
And the truth is, is that Eli and his sons were fools. Absolute fools. You know, we actually discovered uh, ancient times, there's a picture of their sons, Eli and his sons right there. <laughs> this photo we found was actually taken in their last conversation with God. God, I don't, I, don't, I don't hear a thing you're saying. La, 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 la. God, I don't see you. God, I'm not speaking forth anything about you. They were fools, and they looked like this. They lived a life thinking that the holy God that they were supposed to serve would not respond to the way they were living life. How foolish are we? How foolish are we when we think there will not be judgment for our sin? How foolish are we to think there will not be consequence when we choose to sin against holy God? We look like a bunch of monkeys. This is the period that Samuel's in. Samuel's in the tabernacle area. We don't quite know how Shiloh was set up. It's kind of an interesting thing in the scriptures. Part of the study of the area was that the tabernacle was brought in from Joshua's time and set up in Shiloh, so the tent. But other scriptures speak that, that it was kind of a temple, so they might have, they might have made some solid uh, sort of building that might have been a temple-type situation in Shiloh. We don't know exactly what it looked like. But it was supposed to be the place where, again, God, people would come to worship God and give sacrifice, and where God was to be illuminated, glorified, and it became this dark cave. And Samuel's right in the middle of it, faithful, ministering. Things are going dark all around. Sin's barrier is strong. And here's what I love about our Lord. His grace, his voice, is still being poured out. He's still speaking forth in the middle of this. Because there's an attentive voice, and his name is Samuel. Are you hearing God when he's speaking to you? Are you taking time to listen? We talked a couple of weeks ago about being still, about getting away, allowing God to minister to you. Are you hearing God? We are in relationship with the living God. It's relationship. You know, Kena and I, we've been married 21 years. And we have uh, what you might call uh, communication issues. Have you guys ever had those? Even after 21 years, we have communication issues. Now, Kina was uh, as an only child. And then uh, Tom and Donna, later on in life, uh, brought in this beautiful gal, Terry, and, and brought her into the family. But most of Kina's life, she was raised as an only child. And a lot comes with that. Like, Kina is totally comfortable just being by herself in a room, and she can just be locked in there and focused, and 
Her whole life she was brought up that way. You know? And, and, and what I find, she, she kind of will talk to herself. You ever do this, only kids out there? You just kind of, hey, Kina, how are you? Good. <laughs> and so she has this whole communication thing. She's brilliant, my wife. She really is. But she, you know, she's kind of thinking through her brain, and sometimes that comes out, out loud. That's all. Did I say that out loud? I guess I did. But here's the deal in our communication. So I'll go into a room, and, and she's doing something, uh, you know, whatever, fixing something, or, or uh, you know, let's say she's in the kitchen, and, and she's working on something. And, and so we'll come in, and we'll start talking, and she'll have her, her back to me, and she's, she's at the oven, and she'll have said her statement, and I'll have responded, and then I'll walk out of the room, down the hallway and into the bedroom or, or somewhere else, and then I hear from real far away, like she's still talking. Does this happen at your house? Is it only me? And she's continuing on this whole conversation. And, and she thinks I hear her. And so I start to realize that she's still talking, and so I have to come down the hallway again. and like, honey, I wasn't here that whole time, you know? Communication issues. I always find this like, honey, I told you we were going to this party today. I'm like, when did you tell me this? When I was in the kitchen, remember? You know? But what I have found in our 21 years of marriage is that I need to, I need to draw near. When my wife is speaking, and, and quite honestly, because 85% of the time I actually want to hear what she has to say, you know? And I... She here? <laughs> I do. I want to hear what she has to say. Could you edit that on the tape? Thank you. <laughs> I do. I want to draw near to my wife. And I want to hear what she has to say because she's valuable. And what she has to say is significant. And so I come into the same room. And I think that's it for a lot of us. We, we end up down the hallway... And there's all these walls that are separating out this communication that God is still giving to us. And then we just stay in that room over there. We don't draw near. God is still speaking. And he's in relationship with us like we are with our spouse. He's still speaking. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now look at this as we, as, we, as we see what's actually going on physically. It's, it's early morning, starting to be about dawn. But it, it gives us the sleeping quarters of what's going on here. Verse 2 continues on. That Eli was lying down in his normal place, his, his own place, the place he always kind of was at rest. And Samuel, look at Samuel. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. I want you to see the difference. Eli was sleeping away, out somewhere, in his normal place, stuck. Stuck in his selfishness, stuck in his old routine, stuck in the flesh. And it's very clear, but Samuel was sleeping near the ark of God. Now remember, 
where the ark of God was, the people of Israel said, that is the presence of the Lord. Where are you sleeping right now? Where are you sleeping? Are we sleeping stuck in the flesh? Are we sleeping several hallways down? Where are we sleeping? Samuel was near. Samuel was at rest. Samuel was close to the Lord. Close to God. You know, I was actually thinking of this literally. Where are you sleeping? I was thinking of this in relationship to marriage. You know, we're, we're, we're entering into this marriage ministry. We're begging God to help us to bring health to marriages in this church. Because the reality is, a lot of us are hurting in our marriages. And because marriage is continual work. And we know that we're two sinners put together and we're struggling and, and it's hard. But in our marriages, I wanted to ask the literal question, where are you sleeping? Are you sleeping in separate beds? I'm not just talking about the occasional doghouse. <laughs> I'm talking about weeks, months, maybe even years, where you're sleeping in separate beds. If you're sleeping in separate beds, you are not sleeping near the ark of God, near his presence. Because you know why? God has joined you together in your marriage. And God is the one who will move you towards forgiveness. God is the one who will bring about reconciliation. God is the one who loves your marriage. God does not want you sleeping in separate beds. He wants you to join back together again. Dependent on him alone to be your strength. And I just want to, again, from up front, tell you guys, you know what? There's no shame here. We know that marriages uh, get messy. My marriage gets messy, and I know yours does. We would be foolish to say that everything is perfect. And so you have a bunch of shepherds here who love you guys, and I just want to encourage you. Just come and say, you know what? We're struggling. And we want to be sleeping in the presence of God. And we want to draw back together again, but for some reason we can't right now. And we need help. Where are you sleeping? Singles? Where are you guys sleeping? Are you sleeping in someone else's bed? Hoping that you'll find that satisfaction, that love that you've longed for? Where are you sleeping? Because God is calling you to purity. God is calling you to wait upon Him. God is calling you to life in Him. And you are not covenanted with that person. And God says, draw near to me. Sleep in my presence. Let me give you the strength to stand strong. Because he knows how he created you with a desire for that. But don't keep putting up those bricks of sin. Repent. Say, God, I want to walk with you. I know you have more to life than this. I'm trying to be satisfied in someone else, and it's not. And God is saying, come and sleep in my presence. 
Samuel was right there, was right there. And he was searching and, and listening and, and, and he was ministering unto the Lord. And then comes this incredible comical scene, verses 4 through 9. All of a sudden we hear Samuel and he gets up and he goes out to Eli and he thinks it's his master and it's not. So he goes back, this time I'm sure not sleeping, but all of a sudden God's voice comes again. He hasn't quite heard it doesn't understand it. But he gets up again, goes out to Eli. Eli's, nah, that wasn't me. God's kind of playing the tappy on the shoulder game, you know? Who, who just... God, did you say something? Yeah, he did. God, did you say something? Master? He doesn't get it yet. And actually the scriptures say why he doesn't quite understand God's voice yet. It says in verse 7, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And you go, what? But he'd been trained, he'd been nurtured in all of this religious service. I like what Bruce Waltke has to say about this scene. He says the Hebrew word for theology is knowledge of God. And that entails both objective revelation and this inward witness. Parental consecration and liturgical, doing those religious things, competence, are no substitute for personally hearing the word of I am, of God stepping into your life and speaking to you and touching your life coming to church and doing this for years and years and years, and having parents who are godly, all of that is nowhere near the touch of God. Samuel had not experienced it yet. And now he was about to. Do you guys remember the day? Do you remember the day when you finally heard God's voice and he broke into your lives, into your heart? Think for a second about the day. You'd heard some stuff at school, at Sunday school. You'd, you had parents who were godly. But God broke into your heart and he called you unto himself. And you responded. Do you remember that day? God calls Samuel and he responds and he calls again and again three times and then a fourth and his eyes are opened. Verse 10 in the fourth call. Samuel, Samuel. He uses that term twice. It's like the call to Abraham when he's about to go sacrifice Isaac. I'm about to call you into something that is going to be for my kingdom and you're about to be used of me. You're a young boy, and I'm going to use you, and I'm going to pour into your life, and you're going to be my prophet. Samuel, Samuel. God calls. Verse 10 has this amazing statement about the Lord on this. Look at it. The Lord came, and he stood calling out as at other times, but this time he said, Samuel, Samuel. God stood. 
He stood right over there. That term is, is used as one who takes a stand next to you. It's presenting yourself as one who, who will be right with you going into battle. Presenting yourself for the war ahead. Samuel, Samuel, God stood. And look at that term. That term here is used of God. I don't want you to miss this. Because I think this is exactly what the Lord does with us. He is calling us to life in Him. And one thing we can never forget as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called into this battle. We are in a battle day in and day out, are we not? God says of Himself in the Word, and God stood. I'm calling you, Samuel. You're going to be my prophet. I'm going to be right there, engaged in warfare with you. You do not do this alone. That's who our God is. And I love that image of Him. He's ready to enter in with us. He won't just call us and say, oh, good luck. I hope it works out for you. You're going to get killed out there, by the way. No, He's right there with us. What's He calling you into battle with? Where's He calling you to battle You need to know when you show up at that meeting and you say, my name is Joe and I'm an addict. God's right there in that battle with you to fight that addiction. You have to know that. Because he wants you to have life that is filled with him. And he's the one who can empower you. He's the one who can give you strength. What battle are you going into? Are you having to confront a brother or sister who's in sin? That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? And God's right there with you. Here's the words. Let's bring forth truth. You know, it's a battle sometimes to seek forgiveness. The enemy doesn't want you to reconcile. God's going into that battle with you. He stands over us, ready to fight. God is seeking hearts that desire to have a heart like God's, like His. Early in the morning, Samuel hears the voice of God, and he says this, Speak, verse 10, for your servant is listening. Speak, I'm in your presence, O God, and I am listening. What he's saying there is I'm not just nodding my head, I am ready to hear you, and I want to obey. I am your servant. That's the big difference, isn't it? We often read the words of God, and we go, oh, that was nice. But we're not obeying. We're not followers of Jesus Christ. We're not stepping into the mess in His strength, with His power. Speak, I am willing to obey. One of the ways that we go into this battle daily, and this is the image of what Jesus would do. Here's Samuel in the morning hearing the voice of God. Isaiah the prophet spoke forth about Jesus in Isaiah 50. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples that I might know 
how to sustain the weary with one word. He awakens me in the morning, and morning by morning he awakens me, my ear to listen as a disciple. Jesus, humble servant, obedient to the Father, every morning awakened by God's voice. His voice would speak forth. Jesus would live in obedience to the Lord, his God. And he would respond. He would go out. Remember, he would go off to be in a quiet place with his father so that he could hear the voice of the Lord. God is still speaking. Are you listening? And is your heart being turned to respond in obedience to him? The word of the Lord is powerful. This whole scene we see that all of a sudden things are changing from darkness into light. Let me go towards the end of the chapter. 18, 19. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up. He let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, look at this. It had been totally shut out. Eli and the guys, there was nothing being spoke forth about God. Now look at this. All of Israel from Dan to Beersheba recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel. How? By the word of the Lord. And Samuel's word came where? To all of Israel. That light was almost out, but no longer. God called Samuel to speak forth, and then the light started to spread, and God's voice started to go out there. And the scriptures say that none of Samuel's words fell to the ground. You want to know why? Because they were God's words. They were God's words. They were truth. And they were life. And they came true. That's how we know if prophets are for real. They speak forth the word of God. And God reveals himself. And there were God's words, like Isaiah 55 says. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and they do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So it is my word that goes out from my mouth. So it is like this. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire. And it will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And you will go out in a joy, and you will be led forth in peace. God, did you say something? You bet he did. And he speaks to us, dear saints, through his word. We have his word. And he speaks to us through the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Corinthians 2 talks about how it's poured out upon us, and it's the spirit of truth. Is God still speaking to us? Yes, he is. And when all of a sudden you get that tinge, you're like, is that you, God? It is. It's God speaking to your heart, and it's in alignment with his truth. We always check that, right? Whenever you hear something, you're like, is that a prompting from the Lord? It's always in alignment with his truth, his word. 
If it's not, then it's not from the Lord. But we depend on and we hold fast to and we hold to the strength, the power of the Word of God that when it went through Samuel, it went to all of Israel. And when Peter stood up and it was spoken out, it went to all of Israel and hearts were pierced. God is speaking to you and me today. I have no doubt. Stop putting up those bricks of sin, trying to keep them out. Let them minister to you. Let them, let them enter into your life. Let them start to change you from the inside and out. And let us respond in obedience to the words of God who gives us life, who gives us truth, shows us how to live. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word that your word did not go out. So many have tried to stop your word, your truth from coming forth and that barricade is broken down in your grace. Lord, I just thank you so much for how you love us and how you bring forth truth. I thank you that, that you want to use our lives to speak forth your truth. And Father, would you please uh, open up our ears that we would hear you and, and prompt us by your Spirit to, to move in obedience only in the strength and the power of your Spirit. Father, we want to follow you. Father, we love you and we want to obey your commands because we love you. And so, Father, we just surrender our lives to you this day, this body, Cole Community Church. We surrender our lives to you. Your will be done, Father, in our lives. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.